You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Paul Lazarus. In the 1980s, I produced and hosted a radio series called Anything Goes, a celebration of the American musical theater. Now the Broadway Podcast Network is bringing back these shows. This is the second of a three-part series featuring noted musical theater historian Robert Kimball discussing Cole Porter's work in the 1930s. This program originally aired in 1983 and featured many Porter shows, including The New Yorkers, You Never Know, and this podcast's namesake, Anything Goes. Porter's next show in the 30s was Nymphaerent, which up until very recently never had an American production. It was uh, only done in London as a vehicle for Gertrude Lawrence. And until Equity Library Theatre revived it, I guess, a year ago, two years ago, uh, it had never been seen in America. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. What do you think is the reason that that never made it over? Well, there are two factors that I know of, maybe three. The first is the Depression. The second was that, that Gertrude Lawrence was supposed to start and she had one of her periodic financial problems at that point in her life and was unable to come over with it. Then the rights were bought by 20th Century Fox for a movie version and they held the, the rights to, to it for so many years. And then for a long period of time it just didn't go, nothing happened. I mean, Gertie couldn't do it, obviously, and then nothing really took place. and. It was really very exciting to finally have a chance to hear this complete score, which we only knew from the Gertrude Lawrence recordings. Right. Um, this song that we're going to play, The, the Physician, is um, its a wonderful example of a Porter Liszt song. I, very few people could maintain interest in something like this, and yet he does by sheer uh, audacious cleverness, I guess, I, I, because he, it's, it's one body part after another in a way, but he, he maintains interest. That's right. It's a, <clears throat> it was originally written for the New Yorkers under the title, But He Never Says He Loves Me, and it was dropped out of town. And three years later, he was able to find another title for it, and it became, it is, I think, one of his most virtuosic lyric performances. This is The Physician from Nymphaerent. Once I loved such a shattering physician, quite the best-looking doctor in the state. He looked after my physical condition, and his bedside manner was great. When I'd gaze up and see him there above me, 
looking less like a doctor than a Turk. I was tempted to whisper, do you love me? Or do you merely love your work? He said my bronchial tubes were entrancing. My epiglottis filled him with glee. He simply loved my larynx and went wild about my pharynx, but he never said he loved me. He said my epidermis was darling and found my blood as blue as could be. He went through wild ecstatics when I showed him my lymphatics, but he never said he loved me. And though no doubt it was not very smart of me, I kept on racking my soul to figure out why he loved every part of me. And yet not me as a whole, by my esophagus he was ravished, enthusiastic to a degree. He said it was just enormous, my appendix vermiformis, but he never said he loved me. He said my cerebellum was brilliant and my cerebrum far from NG. I know he thought a lot of my medulla oblongata, but he never said he loved me. He said my maxillaries were marvels and found my sternum stunning to see. He did a double hurdle when I shook my pelvic girdle, but he never said he loved me. He seemed amused when he first made a test of me to further his medical art. Yet he refused when he fixed up the rest of me to cure that ache in my heart. I know he thought my pancreas perfect and for my spleen was keen as could be. He said of all his sweeties, I the sweetest diabetes, but he never said he loved me. Gertrude Lawrence from Nymphaerent singing The Physician. Sweetest, sweetie diabetes, oh my God, unbelievable. <laughs> Anything Goes in 1934, uh, whereby we derive the name of this program. And my guest today is Robert Kimball, noted musical theater historian and whose book, The Complete Lyrics of Cole Porter, just came out, uh, published by Alfred Knopf, and uh, that's why we're taking a look at Porter in the 30s today. Bob, anything goes, it seems to be where it all came together for Porter. Why is that, do you think? Well, I think he was, he was trying to find some way of, of bridging the gap between ultra-sophistication and, and exuberance, and I think part of it may have been his finding the perfect interpreter for, of his music, Ethel Merman, and being able to write for her. And That's she right, it's her first Porter show, isn't it? first yeah. of five, a ten-year collaboration that had included five Broadway shows, and this was the beginning, and I think maybe from the very opening number, when she came out in the, in the Wayland Caprice Bar and sang, I Get a Kick Out of You, the score seems to be one great song after another. And uh, let's play two of those truly terrific songs. Um, Ethel Merman singing I Get a Kick Out of You, followed by Porter himself performing You're the Top. My story is much too sad to be told, but practically everything 
totally cold. The only exception I know is the case when I'm out on a quiet spree, fighting vainly the old ennui, and I suddenly turn and see your fabulous face. I get no kick from champagne. Mere alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why should it be true that I get a kick out of you? Some get a kick from cocaine. I'm sure that if I took even one sniff, that would bore me terrifically too. Yet I get a kick out of you. I get a kick every time I see you're standing there before me. I get a kick, though it's clear to me you obviously don't adore me. I get no kick in a plane Flying too high with some guy in the sky Is my idea of nothing to do Yet I get a kick out of you Probably miss a ball But if this ditty is not so pretty At least it'll tell you how great you are You're the top You're the Coliseum You're the top You're the Louvre Museum You're a melody from a symphony by Strauss You're a Benzelbaum A Shakespeare sonnet You're Mickey Mouse you're the nine, you're the tower of Pisa, you're the smile on the moon. 
neck, a total wreck, a flop. But if, baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top. You're the top. You're Mahatma Gandhi. You're the top. You're Napoleon Brandy. You're the purple light of a summer night in Spain. You're the National Gallery, your garbled salary, your cellophane. You're sublime. You're a turkey dinner. You're the time of the Derby winner. I'm a toy balloon mistaken soon to pop. But if baby I'm the bottom, you're the top. classic from Anything Goes, You're the Top. And Bob included in uh, the complete lyrics of Cole Porter is this uh, parody version of You're the Top that's been attributed to Porter. I'm going to read it. It's You're the Top, You're Miss Pinkham's Tonic, You're the Top, You're a High Colonic, You're the Burning Heat of a Bridal Suite in Use, You're the Breasts of Venus, You're King Kong's Penis, You're Self-Abuse, You're an Arch in the Rome Collection, You're the Starch in a Groom's Erection, I'm a eunuch who has just been through an op, but if baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top. I guess <laughs> he, you, you were saying that he received countless uh, parody versions in the mail. It was a, This song was the rage all over the country. It had to be performed in, in the White House. People wrote additional refrains, sent them to Porter's. Files mm-hmm. are still f- filled with many of them, some of them interesting, some of them rather banal. But this particular version, in various forms, it's not the only version of it. You hear different variants on some of the lines. <laughs> Apparently it's been around for a very long time, and a number of performers claim that they learned it directly from Porter and to perform his audition material. <laughs> he was kind of tired of hearing his own songs sung straight. Now, it's possible that he did write this parody. It's also all equally possible that one of his many friends... Step into the world of power, loyalty... And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did it. This is the second of a three-part series featuring noted musical theater historian Robert Kimball discussing Cole Porter's work in the 1930s. To answer your question about the show, I think one of the things that I was listening to the song that strikes me is the, is the way in which he brought together things that were part of everybody's experience today in the days of 1934, like Pepsodent and, and the Roxy, the pants of the Roxy Usher. People just howled at that because that was so very contemporary, mm -hmm. and yet he, had, he put it in such an incredible historical context. These really extraordinarily great parts of our civilization were being juxtaposed with these, with these up-to-date... Cellophane, yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. It's wonderful, and it does, I think, give people a sense that they're part of something larger. The great success of Anything Goes, and it was a tremendous landmark show. It may be the quintessential 1930s musical, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was the biggest hit by far of 1934. It gave Porter and Moss Hart inspiration to try something much more ambitious in Jubilee, 1935. Wonderful way to write a show. They sat down and had lunch together and decided to take a world cruise. And they were gone for about four months. They were sailing the seas, and some of the most famous Porter songs were written for this score. One of them was written apparently on the cruise, another not long afterwards. And it is a show that has not, I think, gotten the fair recognition its great score deserves. I think this is a very, very extraordinary score that I hope will be rediscovered someday. I think it's a little bit comparable in that sense to Out of This World, the great mm -hmm. score that followed Kiss Me Kate, which of course was, didn't have the book, <coughs> and, but it's a fabulous score as we know. And this one I think is also quite a remarkable score, very, very ambitious. It's interesting because both Jubilee and um, Out of This World have been mentioned for possible revival. I mean, you hear buzz, buzz, buzz every now and then that Jubilee is going to be done because I remember a theater did it off-Broadway and it was, there was talk about it being there done. It still is. I hope, it, I hope it's done. I think it's really an operetta. It's really the tradition of Gilbert and Sullivan, and I think it should be done by by a company with, with strong, legitimate voices, as well as people who can dance. And uniquely, this is the one score that Porter recorded several of his own songs from. Yes, he did. Uh, those that, that have survived, yes, he recorded quite a number of them. And I think there's a lot to, about this score that meant a great deal to Porter, because he never, again, until the late 40s, it took him almost 15 years before he would once again write as ambitious a score as this. Mm -hmm. So it meant a great deal to him, surely. We're going to play two of the more well-known songs from uh, Jubilee, yes. to say the least. Two flop songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were in a way, <laughs> actually. In, originally, yeah. Yes. Begin the Begin. Uh, and this is Artie Shaw and his orchestra. Artie Shaw. And following that, Mabel Mercer singing just one of those things.
of those bells that now and then ring Just one of those things It was just one of those nights Just one of those fabulous flights A trip to the moon on gossamer wings One of those things If we thought a bit of the end of it When we started painting the town We'd have been aware that our love affair was too hot Not to cool down So goodbye dear and amen Here's hoping we meet now and then It was great fun but it was just one of those things songs from Jubilee, Just One of Those Things, and Begin the Begin. Next show was Red Hot and Blue in 1936. Well, I mean, with all the things in between that we're skipping over, unfortunately, because of time. Uh, this has so many stories associated with it, Bob. I mean, just the billing of uh, Merman and Durrani, all, all of that stuff. I mean, it's hard to imagine a more chaotic show at all points, from the construction of it to the, the out-of-town tryouts to the run itself with the battles going on among the stars and just the, when you read the accounts of how the show got put together you have to say to yourself is this the way shows are written <laughs> practically everybody who who is involved in the theater and movies was considered for this show at one point <laughs> or another before they finally came up with Merman, Durante and Hope which sounds so logical to us now it's almost inevitable that the show was written for the three of them but practically everyone else was involved there are two crazy uh, stories, one really, really loony, and the other one showing something of Porter's state of mind, which I'd like to mention briefly. This one after they had they changed the title to But Millions, and then after it became But Millions with a dollar sign <laughs> after it, it became Wait for Baby, 
before it became red, hot, and blue. I guess they found that once Porter had written the title song they liked, that was good enough for the title. <laughs> but there's, a, there's an article about George Hale, the dance director, and he was auditioning people for the show, and they have him quoted at a press conference and saying, No bad-looking babies were wanted. Watch me come up with swell-looking bimbos. The hard type is out. So is the languid type. Men like fresh, sweet girls, peppy, talented, and untheatrical. Hale asked the girls he was auditioning to sing, Is it true what they say about Dixie? Hard to imagine that happening today, but perhaps it's some way of getting the show on. The interesting thing, too, is Porter's own way of working. He began to become quite aware in the middle of the 30s that writing for a sophisticated audience had its limitations. You couldn't get a sophisticated audience to the theater. It's very true today on Broadway, maybe even truer. And he said that um, the illusions, sophisticated illusions, are good for about six weeks. As he said, futile is presenting Sophocles in the original Greek. Audience reaction to Lady Mendel lasted about eight weeks. Hmm. Sophisticated lyrics are more fun, but, but only for myself and about 18 other people, all of whom are first-nighters anyway. Polished, urbane, and adult playwriting in the musical field is strictly a creative luxury. That was called Porter in 1936, still true. And as a result of that, Porter began to tailor his material more toward the audiences and toward the performers and away from what he would do for himself. And it took him a long time to get back. There are more songs of the uh, Let's Be Buddies, true love variety in Porter's work, which he never was particularly fond of writing. Mm. But he found that people liked them and they were popular. At any rate, this show has one of Porter's greatest ballads. Right. This is uh, Down in the Depths. Uh of course, on the 90th floor, and this is uh, Ethel Merman. Go. 
haven't uh, quite shifted out of the sophistication at this point, anyway. No, uh, not entirely. That song does. That's that. There's a song that tells you exactly what Porter was getting across. The message. And people can really. He's making a satirical treatment of it, but the people who live in great penthouses can have a miserable time. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I suppose underneath all of that uh, gaiety <laughs> and gossamer wings, there's always that tone. Sure. It's it's always there. You've been listening to Robert Kimball on Cole Porter, Part 2. Anything Goes Backstage with Broadway's Best is produced and hosted by Paul Lazarus. For more information, visit anythinggoespl.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and follow us. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.